Father, the burdens are heavy. God, the weight of this world sometimes is overwhelming. The struggles of life, the struggle with sin. God, it's difficult. It is burdensome. It's heavy. God, cancer. God, divorce. All the broken relationships, rebellious children. So many things, God, weigh against us. But today I pray that we would recognize the victory that we have. Because of Christ Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit who indwells us, God, that we would rest in the peace that you can provide. God, help us to see that although we may feel that we are alone, we indeed are not alone. God, today is a day of restoration, of salvation. God, may people come to you, be drawn to you through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, may people find rest and peace in you and in you alone. God, so many times we try to find it somewhere else. We look for, we look for something somewhere else to fill the void that's in our lives, but we will not find it. We will only find it in Jesus Christ. We will only find it in the power that exists through the resurrection of your son Jesus. So God, help us to see that clearly today. Help us to look no other place but to you today, God, for the peace that only you can provide. God, thank you so much for allowing us to hear from you, for allowing us to worship you, be glorified in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So we started a series last week, and uh, we called it Saved Alone, and, and the reason I believe God kind of laid this on my heart is because I was thinking about Horatio Spafford and his whole story about when, and I kind of shared this with you last week, about 1871, he was, he was a Christian and he was a businessman in Chicago and he, he and his wife were helping out people in Chicago with their homes and their lives had been destroyed by the fires in Chicago. Two years later and uh, they were going to take a, a, a trip uh, over to Europe, 1873, they were going to take a trip over to Europe with their family to kind of get away from everything, to rest for a little while. And, and something happened at the last minute, and Horatio Spafford couldn't go with his wife, but he sent his wife and his four daughters on to Europe. And while they were on their trip to Europe, the ship that they were sailing on, it sank. And, and of the hundreds of people that were on board that ship, only 27 people survived. And, and Horatio Spafford's four daughters perished on that ship that day. And the, the message, the telegram that, that was sent back to Horatio from his wife when she was rescued in Europe was this. It was saved alone. And he had already gotten word about the fact the ship had gone down. And he knew when he got that message that his four daughters had perished in the sea. He knew where it was and when it had happened and all that kind of stuff. And he knew that his four daughters had died. And, and when he sailed across that space, that place in the ocean where, where his daughters had passed away and perished in the ocean, he wrote the lyrics to the hymn that we all know so well. It is well with my soul. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast ta taught me to say, it is well with my soul. And he wrote those words when he was sailing across the spot in the ocean where his daughters had died. And the only place you can find that kind of peace is in the Holy Spirit of God, the power of God. That is the only kind of, kind of power that, that you can tap into when you're hurting that desperately, when you're in that much pain. 
And here we, we, we saw Horatio write these lyrics to this word, talking about how good God is in the midst of the storm and the difficulties, how good God is. And he says, I can say, I can say because of God and who he is, it is well with my soul. So even though, even though he sailed back to Europe for his, to, to meet up with his wife, I bet... I bet if you were to ask Horatio Spafford when he was on that ship sailing across the spot where his daughters had died, I bet if you were to ask him, Horatio, were you alone? No, he wasn't alone. He wasn't alone. Because this is the thing that we said. This is the thing we, we repeated. Martin Luther, I don't want to take credit for it. Martin Luther said this. The faith, we are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves us never alone. And when I said that, there are some people and tears welled up in their eyes when I said that last week. We are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. Because you knew in your heart immediately when I said that, that's truth. That, that's something that, 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 that I can hold on to. That's something that, that even though it may feel like sometimes, even as a Christians, we, we, we feel like we're alone sometimes. We, we feel like, man, I'm the only one that's on this path, and, and there's nobody else going alongside me. Uh, I, I, and I know you're like, well, we're in a room full of people that are alongside of us. Kenny, what are you talking about? Don't, don't kid yourself, okay? It's Sunday mornings. We all gather together. It's a reminder of, of how connected we are through the power of Jesus Christ and how we're supposed to love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. But this is what I know, that on Monday night, you could very well feel alone. Then on Tuesday night, after, after you have gotten this off your mind, God has brought you into this place and reminded you that you're not alone. On Tuesday night, you could very well feel alone. Am I right? And then when Wednesday night rolls around and you're like, should I be at church? Should I not be at church? I don't know. Got a lot of stuff going on. Kids need to be bathed. School's tomorrow. Should I be there? Should I not? And we deal with this whole dilemma. Wednesday night. Ah, it's just Wednesday night service. Let me tell you something. This past Wednesday night, this is the words I said. I said, we've done a lot of stuff in the name of Jesus Christ in this place, but we have never looked more like a church than we did this past Wednesday night. If you missed that, I am so sorry. I am so sorry that you missed that. I'm talking about we were covered up in this altar with people just, just crying and praying over each other. We let down our guard. We let down our pride. We threw the pride out the window. We let the pride stay outside, and we just came down here and prayed. And it was transformational. And I told them, I said, please, please, please don't let this die here tonight. Please, please, please continue this pattern that God has set for this place. Let's be a people that let down our guard. Let, let's be a people that put our arms around each other and say, you're just as screwed up as I am. Let's just get down here and pray and do business with God. And you're like, Kenny, you can't say that. Oh, yeah, I can. Oh, yeah, because there's too many people telling you too many things that ain't truth. I thought I would do something different and just stand up here and tell you the truth today. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> I preached this message before, not in this context. I've kind of sort of preached something like it many times before, as a matter of fact. And, and what's so interesting to me is that, that people will embrace this truth in here, and they'll say, yes, that is right, man, I'm in on that, I'm in on that. Yes, it sounds good. That's what rings true, and it speaks to my heart, and I want to embrace that. And then they go out this afternoon, and by 2.30, they've forgotten about it. By 2.30, it's like, eh, 
That was just something I felt in the, in the moment. That's what they say, in the moment. Uh, that, that's just something God was dealing with me in the moment, and ah, I don't know how real it was. Maybe I was just deceiving myself, maybe blah, blah, blah. What was happening is once you get out there, you start listening to the flesh and stop listening to the Spirit. The good news is when you're in here and you start worshiping God and getting close alongside other believers, the Spirit is loud and clear in your ears, and you're able to discern God's voice very clearly. You get out there, and it's muffled because you start listening to yourself and not listening to Jesus. <laughs> you know I'm right. I mean, we can, we can say, oh, Kenny, that's not true. I don't do that. You liar. I know better than that. I know better than that. You get outside those doors, you go, well, I don't know if that's really what God was saying to me or not. I don't really think, ah, man, I just got wrapped up in the moment. I just got, oh, man, the music was so good, and, and I just got tied up in the moment, and I just, I said, I said I was going to do this for Jesus, and then I got out there, and it's like, ah, you know what? That was just me being me in church, and I'm just going to go back and, and do my thing. By 2.30, you've already forgotten what the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about while you're in here. You know I'm telling the truth. You know I am. And yet we ask the question, why do I feel so alone? We ask the question, why in the world do I feel so alone? Now, on Wednesday afternoon, about 4.30, God's going to be reminding you that church is coming up at 6 o'clock. And you're going to have a choice. You, you can respond, respond to God's voice and, and, and do what God tells you to do, or you can do what you want to do. And you have that choice. Church is always optional. Let me tell you that. This, this, place, this is not mandatory. You have a choice of whether or not you come here or not. We don't bind anybody up in chains and drag them through the door. We don't do that. Well, except for Joey. He has to come. But the rest of us, we don't bind them in chains and drag them through the door. This is always optional. And you always, always, always have the choice of whether you respond to Jesus or respond to the flesh. And yet, why, <laughs> why is it when we, we, we start listening to the flesh, all of a sudden we start feeling alone? And we listen to the Spirit and we feel so connected with God, we don't feel nearly so alone. And then what do we choose to do? We choose to listen to the flesh. And we go, why do I feel so alone? This ain't rocket science, folks. I'm not telling you something you don't already know. I'm telling you exactly what you already know, but you'll still choose the other way at 2.30 this afternoon. Not everybody, but a lot of people will. At some point, everybody will. Heck, I do it. I go out there and I start saying, man, Kenny, you just got wrapped up in the moment. God didn't really want you to do that. And then I have to have this reminder time with God, and he's like, Listen to my Holy Spirit. You tune into my voice, not your own voice. You tune into my voice. You listen to me, and you won't feel alone. You won't feel so alone. Here's a misconception that once you get saved, once you put your faith in Christ, that uh, you, you'll, you'll stop being bothered by sin. I mean, you know, there'll still be sin in your life, and, and you'll repent of that sin and, and, and all that, but, but like the, the burden, at least, of sin will be lifted, right, completely. Like, you, yes, okay, here's what, let me, I got to explain. See, we got some explaining to do. I got to tell you some things. So here, here's the way it works. So when, when you put your faith in Christ, yes, there is a burden that is lifted. I know when I put my faith in Jesus, like I was nine years old, and I, I got down and there was, there was like nobody else there, you know, praying at this kind of sort of altar thing. And, and like, I, I know, I, I could feel that Jesus like, Ripped my heart out and installed a new one. I mean, I, you could feel that. And it was like this 
100-pound gorilla was on my back, and he just jumped off for all of a sudden. And it was like I could breathe. I could take a deep breath. I mean, I feel like I could jump, you know, like I had new kicks on. Like I felt like I, I was just like I was new, man. I, I could feel that burden of the sin weight come off of me because I knew I'd been made clean. And that does happen. It absolutely does happen. But I don't want you to deceive yourself by believing that, that, that you won't ever have that burden again. That you won't ever be, be bothered by the fact that sin exists in this world and you will sin and you will mess up. But, but because you have the Holy Spirit, it is like God's seal, His promise that one day I'm going to take away that burden of sin. You're still going to struggle with it. You're still going to fight with it. It's still going to be a problem for you. It's, it's still going to be something that breaks your heart. And you're going to have to wage war against it. And we, we've dealt with that before too. But, but there's, there's going to continue to be this, this aching inside your heart that hates sin. And it is going to be a heavy burden. I don't want to tell you that it's not. I don't want to tell you that once you get saved, you don't ever have to worry about sin. And, and like it, it doesn't bother you anymore or any of that kind of stuff. It actually gets a little bit heavier. And we've said that before in here, that it kind of gets heavier, and, and you're like, but I thought that once I got saved, it was all supposed to be easier. I thought it was supposed to be lighter. I, was supposed to, I thought it was like walking on cloud nine, you know? Like, I thought it was supposed to all just kind of go away and be lifted off. That's not reality. That's not reality. I, I want to I read to you something here in Romans chapter 8. Connie's not going to have this up on the screen because I didn't tell her about this part, but I want you to understand about the Holy Spirit. Because if we are truly not alone, the only way that we're not alone is if with Jesus is with us, right? And we read last week that, that Jesus is with us because he said, it's better that I go away so the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the advocate can come. And this is what, this is what Paul writes to the Roman church. When they're, I mean, like, these, these folks are being killed for their faith in Jesus. Like, they're being sewn up into animal skins and fed to lions or, or, or just people are, are, are just watching Christians be destroyed, torn limb from limb just for their amusement. Uh, the, the Romans thought that was real funny back then was to, to kill Christians and they would do it for their own entertainment value. And, and Paul wants to encourage this Roman church. Listen to what he says in Romans chapter 8 beginning of verse 18. Yet what we suffer is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the day when God will reveal who his children really are against his Against this will, all creation is subject to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will be join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan. He's talking to believers. He said, we also, all creation is groaning because sin exists in the world. We live in a fallen creation, a broken world. And creation groans. The earth literally groans for the day when everything will be set free and made right. He says, we believers also groan. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste to the future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us full rights to, as his adopted children. Including the new bodies he has promised us. You know, you know what he says? Paul's talking to the, to the, to the Roman church, and he's like, look, the, the suffering you're enduring right now, 
because people are wanting to kill you, because you're a Christ follower. He says, I, I just want you to know that, that, that that's nothing. That's nothing. I want you to keep your eyes fixed on the fact that Jesus is, is going to set everything right one day, and then there's going to be a future glory that you can hold on to. This is a hope you can hold on to. He says, but I want you to understand that because God has put the Holy Spirit within you, you're also going to groan. There's also going to be this, this longing, this, this intense desire to be set free from sin and suffering. There's going to be something within you that's going to want to draw you, draw you closer to God so that he can show you. You know that, that this groaning, you know who it was created by? You know it was created? Sin entered the world. We know Adam and Eve and the whole story in Genesis. I, let, let me go back and read. Sorry. Genesis chapter 3. The Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than the animals and domestic in the wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as you live. He's talking to Satan there. He says this. He says, I will cause hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Talking about Jesus one day. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen your pain of pregnancy. In pain you will give birth, and your desire will be to control your husband, and he will rule over you. And he said to the man, Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle and scratch uh, a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you. Through you will uh, eat of its grains. By the, wheat of your, by the sweat of your brow you will, have to, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. You were made from dust, and you return to it. This is what he says. Do you know who created this anguish? Yes, Adam and Eve, they, they did things to, to rebel against God, and because of that, God created the curse. God said, you're going to suffer in childbirth. You, you're going to hurt. You're going to be in pain. It's going to be worse. I'm going uh, to put a struggle between you and your husband. And he says, he says, you... The husband, because you listen to your wife, you're going to have to work for a living. It's going to be by the sweat of your brow that you're able to, to be able to harvest food and, and be able to take care of your family. You're like, God did that? Yes, God did that. God did that. Why? Why? So that we would feel alone, so we would feel isolated, that God doesn't love us, that God doesn't care about us? Why would God do all those things? I mean, yeah, we messed up. We ate some fruit. It was a bad thing. Yeah, I got that, God. But, but do you, you want to cut us off completely? Do you, do you want us to, to just go off on our own and, and die? Is that why you did these things? I mean, you created death when this happened. That, that we, were, you know, we were doing good. We didn't have death up until now. But because we did this, now all of a sudden death exists? How about this? How about this? How about sin exists even for the purpose of glorifying God? How about the fact that, you know what it teaches us? Because when God indwells us through the power of his Holy Spirit, what happens is God teaches us, keep your eyes on me. Keep focused on me. Rely on me. Trust in me. That's why when devastation comes into our life, you know where we have the choice to turn? We have the choice to either turn to God or turn away from God. 
It's because when, when we reach that fever pitch in our lives and we got to figure out what we're going to do, God has allowed that to happen so that we can have this intimate time where we can come to God. And these groanings that exist because the Holy Spirit indwells in us, God can say, you've either got a hope in me or you don't. He's trying to show you. He's trying to teach you. He's trying to get you to listen to him. Stop listening to the flesh and start listening to the spirit. He's constantly trying to show you things. He even allows the spirit to groan as a desire for God. And so many times, so many times we go, why do I feel alone? Why do I feel empty? Why do I feel like God's not with me? And it's so, so simple. But it ain't easy. Listening to the spirit or listening to the flesh. And we'll jump ahead in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, you don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father knows whose all hearts know what the Spirit is saying. And the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. Right? It's a verse that we've all heard, Romans 8, 28, right? And we rest in that and we take take soulless in that we say man that's where i want to be i want to i want to i want to just live in that verse knowing that matter what happens whatever comes against me that man that god's got a purpose for it he's got a plan for it he's working it out for my good and his glory but i want you to understand the context and the context is this the context is listening to what the Spirit is saying. God is listening to the Spirit who intervenes for us. God is the one who, who has installed the Holy Spirit, who, who prays for us with groanings we can't even understand. These groanings of one day, everything being set right and everything being, being fixed so that we don't have to deal with sin and suffering anymore. God understands those things that the Holy Spirit is praying for us. But I want you to understand that it's all about listening to the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. In verse 31, this is where Connie actually has it up on the screen. This is where I intended to, to kind of start this morning. Don't worry, I'm not going to keep you for four hours. That's not what's about to happen. He says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Now think about the context of where he is. Think about the context of people that he's talking to, the people that are, are suffering Suffering brutally because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, none of us have been sewn up in animal skins or been threatened to be sewn up in animal skins and thrown to a lion for them to devour. That's not happened to us. I want you to understand that these people were under real persecution and they were in danger for their lives to a degree that, that, that they were going to die if people found out that they were Christians. And for us, for us, it's nowhere near the level that these folks are, are dealing with. And here, Paul's trying to tell them, listen. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He's speaking for you, and he's showing you that there will be a time coming when, when you will be set free from sin and suffering. He says, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Think about that for a second, the fact that, that, that like 
Every single person in Rome was against the Christians, and he is saying, if God is for us, who can be, ever be against us? Since, we did not, uh, since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, won't he also give us everything else? He's trying to encourage them and show them and teach them. He says, who dares accuse us? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us a right standing with himself. Who will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Is there anything that can separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us? We have trouble and calamity? Or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Think about this. Think, think about the, the place that he's at and, and the, the, the real danger of being persecuted, being threatened with death. He's saying, and God has installed inside of you this Holy Spirit that shows you that you are sealed to the day of redemption. You are sealed to the day when Christ returns to set everything right. You are sealed with that. He says, and this is my promise. The Holy Spirit is my promise. The Holy Spirit is what shows you and teaches you. And yet we have the choice of whether we can listen to the Holy Spirit and draw close to the Holy Spirit or we can turn away from the Holy Spirit. He says, as the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can, stand, can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from God's love in that, that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is what he says. This is what he says. He says, I know you feel alone. I know that there's still something inside of you that groans for everything to be set free so that you don't have to endure any longer. I know that you have a desire so that you don't have to hurt anymore. I know that you have that inside of you. As a matter of fact, God is the one that put that desire inside of you. God is the one that put it there, that, that groaning, that desire for it to all be set free, all be set right. I know that it's there. He said, but what you got to do, what you got to do is Christ's followers is you've got to recognize the Holy Spirit that lives within you. If you are feeling alone and you are feeling empty, I guarantee you, no matter what you think the reason is, the reason is because you are not tuned into the Holy Spirit, you are not drawn close to the Holy Spirit, you are distant from the Holy Spirit. Now, if you are not a Christ follower, that's because the Holy Spirit it doesn't indwell you. Now, people try to talk themselves out of it all the time. And they try to say, oh, I'm a Christ follower. I'm a, I'm a Christian is what they like to say. And they're just talking themselves out of it. You know who's talking themselves out of it? The flesh. They're listening to the flesh, telling them that they really are a Christ follower when they feel empty and alone. You know, here's the thing. <laughs> I get worried sometimes that, that I may have helped somebody to deceive themselves about whether or not they're a Christian or not, right? So, so maybe I've talked to them. Maybe they've, they've said, man, I'm, I love Jesus. I want to give you my life. And then... And then they never do anything else in obedience to Christ. And they think, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. That's garbage, okay? 
There's no, no fruit of the Spirit. There's, there's, there's nothing in their lives that looks like Jesus. There's no transformation in their lives. They said, but, but yeah, see, I said some words, and, and because of that, I'm saved, I'm good, I'm a Christian, right? And it's all garbage, right? So I'm burdened by that because sometimes I'm like, well, maybe I said something to make them think they're a Christian, and really they're really not. And I was talking to, to Connie the other day about this, and I was like, they know, don't they? When, when they lay their head down on their pillow at night, they, they know if they're a Christ follower or not. They know if Jesus is there in their life or Jesus is not. I, I, no matter what they've said in front of me or, or no matter how many times they've gotten in water, they know if they're a Christ follower or not. They know that. They, they, we were talking about somebody the other day who said, when they get up on Sunday morning, they know what day it is. They know exactly what day it is. And, and they know... They know who they're following. Last week we talked about following the crowd or following Christ. Today we're talking about following the flesh or following the Spirit. And the only way that you're ever going to feel like I'm not alone is when you follow the Spirit. Whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, the only way that you're going to feel like you're, you're not alone is when you follow the Spirit. I've done it. I've been there. I've tried to do all the other stuff that made me feel like I wasn't alone. And no matter how many people I was around that was doing all the same crap I was doing, I still felt alone. It wasn't until I started following Jesus and said, you know what, I'm going to listen to your Holy Spirit, and I don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't care if they think I'm a fool, an idiot, whatever they think. I don't really care. And I'll stand up here and jump up and down all day long because, you know what, I just want to follow the Spirit. I just want to follow Jesus. And it wasn't until I got to that point, I said, you know what, I'm not alone. I, I can say that I'm not alone because I know that I'm not alone. And when I lay my head down on my pillow at night, I know that I'm not alone. And I don't have to cry anymore. I don't have to cry anymore and think that I'm alone. We're saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves us never alone. And if you are not saved... There's a reason you feel alone. If, if you are saved, but you feel alone, there's a reason why you feel alone. And it all has to do with the Spirit. It all has to do with the voice that you're listening to. The question is, do you feel alone? Do you feel alone? Father, thank you, God, for your word. It's so simple, God, but it's so hard. All we want to do is follow the flesh and resist the Spirit. That's, that's just us. But God, I know that that's the reason we feel alone. I know that's the reason we feel empty. And God, the more I tune into your Spirit, the more I hear your voice, the less alone I feel, and I know that. But God, my flesh still draws me away from it. God, help me to care less and less and less about the flesh and more and more and more about the Spirit. God, I pray for the hurting person that's in this place. Maybe they don't know you. Maybe they don't know what it means to have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God, they look on the outside and they go, well, they're, they're, they're going to they're gonna suffer. They're going to have groanings in their heart. God, no matter if they're saved or not, why would I want that? Oh, 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 but it's so good to know that you're not alone. 
That, 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 that the groaning that comes from the Spirit, God, it's there and it's within us. But that's what reassures us that we're not alone. I'm so, I'm so heartbroken over the people that feel so empty and so alone. May they follow you. God, as you've spoken truth to their heart this morning, I pray that by 2.30 this afternoon, it will not have left them, God, but, but it will have indwelt them in such a way that they cannot deny that it is the Holy Spirit of God speaking to me. And people are in this room, and they know exactly what God's calling me to do. And I pray that they would just listen to the Spirit and not the flesh. Because the flesh will lead them astray. The flesh will lead them to a place of weakness. God, but the Holy Spirit, He is there for us in our time of weakness to cry out and to pray for us with groanings we cannot even understand. God, you are glorified in our weakness, so let us be weak right now. Let us come completely to your cross in weakness and humility and say, God, I need to be close to you through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we are not alone if we are Christ followers. Thank you for that truth. Thank you for reminding us of that truth. God, be glorified now as we just listen to your spirit and what you have to say to us. God, this is your time. It belongs to you. Help us to respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone, please stand.